Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Hi, I'm Jerry Boyer. Welcome to Meeting of Minds podcast. Today, my guest is Tom Carter. Uh, Tom is the president of the American Conservative Values Fund. It's an ETF, and ETF is one of the ways that people invest. If you've heard of mutual funds, well, most new investment vehicles are ETFs now rather than mutual funds, but very similar concept. Um, and their firm has been doing surveys of their network of uh, people who are interested um, in finance, um, often investors, about how they would rank companies and which companies they're most concerned with in terms of the left-wing ideological capture of those companies. Well, first of all, Tom, welcome to Meeting of Minds. Jerry, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So tell me what trend you've seen. You've, uh, You've done four or five of these surveys and they're, they're not static. You're seeing some delta. You know, companies are rising and falling. What, what are the trends that you've seen? That's right, Jerry. So we've, we've done about five of these surveys now. And to your point, they're of a, uh, a con- constituency that are some shareholders. Some people just follow our research uh, that like to hear what we're thinking about on the conservative investing side. And so we go out and ask them to rank their three most um, left-leaning or companies that are hostile to conservative values. And we've done four or five of these now. And what we saw in the first, I, I believe, four that we did was Facebook or, you know, they changed their name to Meta. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They've been number one all along. What we found in the last one we did is that Disney surpassed Meta, um, which we thought was very interesting. Disney's always been on the list. They've always kind of been, you know, kind of four or five or something along those lines. But this time they leaped in front of Meta and they become they became the number one most disliked company for conservative investors or for at least our constituency of conservative investors. That, that That's certainly one trend we've seen. We also saw a trend where BlackRock has gone from kind of being in the mid-teens um, to basically number four now. So all this news about BlackRock, a lot of news about ESG and somewhat of the greenwashing that they're trying to make companies do from an ESG perspective, conservative investors have picked up on that. I don't think they like the fact that BlackRock is trying to force people to follow what their ideology is. And I believe that they've come back and said, you know, we don't really like that. And we think BlackRock is is hostile to conservative values like Disney is. Hmm. Um, Meta, by the way, is still disliked very much, um, just not as much as, as, as Disney is in, in our most recent survey. Interesting. Uh, also, I think you told me you had some shifts in the world of Twitter. What, what's happened there? We did. So, so obviously, um, you know, most conservatives know that, that Twitter has been negative to, to conservatives. You know, they blocked certain stories when the, when the New York Post was trying to do things about Hunter Biden's laptop and whatnot. And during that time frame, Twitter was very, very negative. Um, we did see that since Elon Musk has been more involved with Twitter, trying to get them to open up a little bit more, trying to make sure that he thinks it's an actual free speech as opposed to free speech only for the left. 
and 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 the rights voices um, getting squelched to some some extent. Twitter has actually become more popular among conservatives yeah. or less unpopular. When I was this survey taken? When 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 did you close the results for for the survey? Um, I believe we closed the results, uh, and, and, and my partner runs the survey a lot more closely than I do, but I believe it was at the end of May of, of this year. And then it took us a, a while to compile. I see. You can see the survey results out on our website and you can see what conservatives think. And we also have some trend lines there where it shows past surveys and it shows the change in, in companies. From survey to survey. That's uh, it, uh, conservativeinvesting.com. Is that the website? Investconservative.com. Investconservative.com. A-C-V-E-T-F-S.com. American I think investconservative.com will probably be easier to, to remember. Um, I agree so with that. It would be interesting to, I mean, the Twitter deal blew up, you know, after this spring. So That's right. You know, when people asked me at the time, I said, Elon Musk is probably not going to buy Twitter. The, the, the market price never was consistent with that scenario what's going to end up happening is even better he'll destroy its credibility he'll 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 have a war with twitter and twitter will have no credibility left i don't think i don't think twitter was ever fixable so if it's not fixable then you know destroy it (laughs) Um, well and that's what it looks like he's trying to do right i mean i think he's trying to show that their subscribers is their actual subscriber base is a lot lower than you think it is there's a lot more bots um, I think he's trying to show that, in fact, they were uh, squelching conservative values voices and, and allowing the left to run Twitter, if you will. And, and I think that's coming to air now. And I, I tend to agree with you. If he fully pulls back and fit, Twitter is not fixed, it will become negative again. I, I, I predict that. Yeah. Yeah. But what about what about Tesla? Um, is, is that shown up? Because it is it was a liberal darling for a long time. Uh, I I sat in on the last shareholder meeting and it's amazing how conservative. I don't even know if they're conservative, actually, now that I think about it. The Tesla liberals, however, have become very hostile um, to kind of the ultra left ESG. I mean, all these these people were showing up and giving their statements on behalf of these, these proposals. And when the moderator would say, "Okay, sorry, your time has elapsed. The crowd would cheer. This is Tesla, you know, electric cars, solar panels. So this is probably a liberal crowd, but even they seem to have had enough. So how's Tesla? Tesla's probably pretty conservative, pretty popular with conservatives now. What's the history on Tesla in your survey? Well, what's interesting is when we launched our product, um, Tesla wasn't even in the S&P 500, right? Ah. And and, and so when they put Tesla in the S&P 500, we, of course, um, put them in as well in order to try to compete with the, or try to match as closely as you could with the S&P 500. Hmm. And we had a debate about Tesla at the time. We knew Elon Musk was somewhat of a libertarian. He wanted the government to leave him alone. You know, he hated the COVID shutdowns and and actually left California because of that and and, and moved headquarters to Texas. Hmm. So, so there's certainly some conservative values that we see within Tesla. And, and let's be clear, we're not against we're not against green energy. We're not against things that make the world better. We are just against mandates or trying to force green energy on people or the gov- government subsidizing green energy when maybe the economics of it don't make sense. So we're not against Tesla. And in fact, Tesla is a, a, a holding in our product. And Tesla actually 
doesn't show up as hostile to conservative values very much in um, in our surveys. I wouldn't. So I, I think you're right. I think Tesla, although it is a green company, is somewhat conservative from the standpoint of, of where conservatives see it. Well, I think there's a there's an alliance now between conservatives and liberals against the hard left, against the utopian left. And I think I Musk is an example of that. I mean, Musk is probably a liberal by most reasonable standards. That's what he would say. He'd say he's a liberal. He um, said he always voted liberal. Yeah, right. And because he believes in compassion and tolerance. He said, but the left doesn't believe in compassion and tolerance anymore. So he's still liberal, um, but he's not what they are. Um, and they're showing up at the annual meeting and Tesla shareholders are booing them off the stage. Um, so that's really fascinating. That shows to That shows me how much ESG has overstayed its welcome um, and overpromised and f- frankly gotten obnoxious to the point where now it's alienating its allies. I, I agree with that. And, I, and, you know, one last comment about Elon Musk. Um, <clears throat> he tweeted something about three months ago when the left was after him about uh, about his new kind of viewpoints. And what he said was, these aren't new viewpoints. These are the same viewpoints I've already had. I've not moved. You have. And then he showed a diagram of where he thinks the left is now versus where he is. And he's like, I'm now a centrist or right-leaning compared to where you guys moved, but I haven't moved. I'm the same. So to your point, he still considers himself um, a compassionate, I would call him an old-time Kennedy compassionate liberal. Yeah. But but he is certainly not a left-leaning, um, hard left-leaning liberal like what he feels is, is coming out against him. Well, isn't that basically what Reagan said? I didn't leave the Democratic Party. Why'd you leave the Democratic Party? Reagan said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. That's right. Yeah. Um, interesting. So let's talk about ESG. There's been somewhat of a debate um, ongoing where some uh, Christian funds and maybe even some of the conservative funds have kind of said, well, we're ESG. There's a good kind of ESG. Um, and, you know, we're not the bad kind of ESG. Um, I, I think from my standpoint, ESG was sort of designed for what it is from the very beginning. Um, uh, that that, it, that there, it was always an imposition of politics onto finance. Um, but uh, I just, I, I, we haven't actually talked about this, so I don't, I don't know what you think about it. But um, same thing I asked Andy Olivastro from Heritage recently, you know, which is ESG, fix it or end it. And he said, destroy it, right? <laughs> bury it in the ground. Um, so what says Tom Carter? ESG is it like a fixable thing or is, is ESG is associated with the left, always will be. And we're not going to try to take that, the, the words ESG back and fix them and rebrand them. Well, it's interesting. Let me, if I can give you a bit of history about how ACVF came to be, it, it essentially was because of ESG, right? So my partner and I, four years ago, were noticing that ESG, which was mostly driven by green energy, anti-fossil fuel, um, left-leaning corporate governance, and things like that, was drawing a lot of dollars. And we looked around and said, what can a politically conservative investor do? Where can their money go? Is there something they can support that isn't ESG or that is, um, you know, not giving, and and you and I can debate this, not giving your investment capital to a left-leaning company. And so that's how ACVF was brought about. Um, From an ESG perspective itself, I mean, I I think 
environmental, social governance things are good to look at, and you can be, but they can be looked at in a myriad of different ways. And if you're just saying that it's that it's anti-fossil fuel, and that's all you're looking at is ESG being, I think you're missing a lot of what ESG can be. Hmm. And so to define it, I think you need to define it from a product perspective of what you're trying to achieve, not just saying we're broadly ESG, because divine, defining broad ESG is very difficult because it can mean so many things. But the only thing that we we look at it now to mean is left-leaning corporate policies. Right. And is that brand now welded? In other words, you know, I've, I've heard some people say, well, we're conservative ESG or we're Christian ESG. Would you call would you call yourself ESG? We would not. No. Although, although so why, I, I believe, so why not? That's the question. Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you the primary reason is because when when the government when the government and the SEC come looking at what you're doing and you call yourself ESG, you've got to prove to them that you are. Yeah. Um, and and you've got to prove that the reasons that you uh, invest in certain companies or don't invest in others go along with your ESG guidelines. Yes. And we're, we're probably a bit more subjective about the way we select companies in our portfolio or more importantly, the way we select companies to boycott in our por- portfolio. And, and so defining us as ESG is very difficult, even though I would tell you that environmental, social and governance aspects are implied in what we're doing. We do not call ourselves ESG. Yeah, I, I guess to me, that's a great point, right? You're inviting litigation. You're inviting regulation, you know, right. by doing that, um, you know, a, a better to not do than to swear and do what is as Solomon says, you know, that I, I, I'm not getting the quote quite right. I have COVID brain today, but um, better to uh, do and swear not than to swear and do not. So there's a promissory element to ESG. But I guess the other thing is, in my opinion, it's a blown brand, especially for conservatives. Um, I think you're right. And and, and I would tell you that's probably another reason we don't call ourselves ESG is because if we did, people would assume that we are a left-leaning anti-fossil fuels fund not a right-leaning pro-fossil fuels um, anti-left uh, anti-left-leaning company fund, and yeah. that, which is what we are. Yeah, I just got an email from someone who's in the industry on the Christian screening side. Who, for years, I've been at conferences, and he said, "Well, no, we're there's a good kind of ESG, and we're the good, we're the Christian ESG." And the email was, "We renounce ESG." Um, so it's like, okay, I mean, he's catching up. But basically, conservatives, Christians. They now see ESG as a as a negative thing, and um, agreed. And I and I think they're right too, because I think from from the beginning, well, it's a little bit like stakeholder capitalism, right? Um, if why why come up with a doctrine if if you already believed in shareholder capitalism, what's the point of a new thing, right? So say, well, we're stakeholder capitalism, which is really capitalism. What capitalism always was It's no no. You had to come up with a new phrase and new books and new rules because you didn't like the traditional shareholder-focused capitalism. So if you're and ESG is essentially the application of that to the investing process. So that's right. Um, you know, uh, it, it it was it was intended to counter the thing that actually made this nation prosperous. No, I it, I, I totally agree with that. And when you talk about stakeholder capitalism, are the people that are complaining actually stakeholders? often it's debatable whether they are stakeholders or not, right? I mean, I would tell you the stakeholders are employees, the stakeholders are consumers that are purchasing your service or your product, the stakeholders are your shareholders. Oftentimes the people 
on the left that are complaining about things, policies of companies and whatnot, I would argue aren't even stakeholders. I they, mean, you, yes, they speak on behalf of stakeholders that maybe aren't even. So they're out there saying, well, indigenous people are stakeholders. Are you an indigenous person? Well, no, 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 I'm not. But that's right. But you drilled on their land and they're stakeholders. It's like, well, maybe, maybe we can just talk to them. You know, why do you have to get in the middle of this thing? They, they agreed. Yeah, they represent stakeholders. Uh, who yeah, and, and, and when you look in, right, and when you look into the boardrooms, right? I mean, are, are are they making these decisions because they actually feel this way, or are they making decisions so that they don't get canceled? by the left and, and, and by the people who are representing those stakeholders. Right. Um, you know, if they're employed, let's take Netflix, for example, right? And Net- Netflix is is a company that shows up in our top 10 of companies um, that are hostile to conservative values. They always do. Now, but we've, we've also seen a bit of a change there because Netflix now has some conservative programming on, on their platform. And a bunch of what we call their stakeholders, which are employees, came to them and said, hey, look, we're not going to support this conservative um, th- th- this conservative entertainment on our platform. And Netflix came back to them and say, "We're going to we're going to subscribe to all entertainment that we think is quality entertainment, whether it's left leaning or right leaning. And if you don't like it, we think you should work somewhere else." Yeah. And so what Netflix kind of did was they took back their stakeholder capitalism and they said, "We're going to make decisions that are best for our shareholders and for what we think is our company." And although you guys are employees. We ask that you don't get involved in some of these decisions. And, and and so when they did that, conservatives were actually kind of opened their eyes and said, oh, hey, this Netflix thing, maybe we need to watch these guys a little bit more because maybe they're coming a bit more conservative than we thought they were. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. Um, you know, it's one thing to be the canceller and it's another thing to be the cancelee. So Reed Hastings was on the board of, you know, Meta, formerly Facebook. And when Peter Thiel endorsed Donald Trump, Hastings tried to get Teal canceled, tried to get him kicked off the board of Facebook, a company basically founded, right? And right. that didn't work. Um, I mean, Teal had more juice in that situation. But Hastings was willing to cancel. But when his employees start interfering with his profit margin by trying to cancel Dave Chappelle, who is just bringing in buku revenues, right? Uh, and now Ricky Gervais and, and Bill Burr, um, yes, so, plenty. There, there's a myriad of examples. Yeah. And, and, and another point I, to make about this, they're liberals, right? It's, it's, it, Absolutely. They, so, they're, again, it's the fight is not mostly the hard left. It's just like 1968 over again. Right? It's <laughs> the hard left outside the Democratic National Convention throwing firebombs while the Democrats are actually trying to nominate someone who maybe could, could potentially win in a, a general election. And so, you know, Dave Chappelle's no conservative. Bill Burr, maybe, probably not. Ricky Gervais is an aggressive atheist. I think he's a socialist. Doesn't live like one, but talks like one. But they think that, you know, this cancel culture and especially the trans element of it um, and its violent threats and the rest of it has gotten out of hand. They're simply free speech people. And that's and, uh, that's interfering with Reed Hastings' business model. And all of a sudden, he's maybe a little bit, uh, we shouldn't be canceling anymore um, because they were canceling. They're trying to cancel shows that were making money. And they were trying to, and a very few people were trying to cancel shows that a lot of people liked, right? And 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 I am a, like like you were just saying, I'm a free speech person. I'm also a fan of comedy. And, and, and I'm a fan of comedy 
um, on either side because I, I think good comedy brings out the realism in everything that you do. And, and so, you know, good, clean, fun comedy, I enjoy. And I don't think, I don't think we should cancel those folks because they're bringing up things that are, um, that are, that are often important to, to people in the, in the culture. Yeah. And I would say, interestingly enough, comedy is probably the vanguard of the counter revolution now against cancel culture. That's right. Right. Uh, the, the, uh, the Treveses and the Burrs and, and, uh, I mean, almost every comedian, I, I watch a lot of comedy too. They can't help it. The, the thing that you've told them not to say now, they have to do it. You know, they have to talk about these issues. The very fact that they've been told to shut up about it makes it irresistible to them. That's right. And, and I just love to watch them do it. And, I mean, who's not going to take the stuffing out of these self-important people, you know, um, th- this crowd of tolerance people who are trying to ruin everybody's lives? Um, I mean, it's just ripe for comedy takedown. It is. And, 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 yeah, and like... Like you said, I don't agree with everything they say, but I enjoy watching it. I, yeah, sure, of course not. I mean, Travis is an atheist. I mean, what did, what did Chappelle say? He said, I don't hate trans people. I hate white people. Exactly. Well, okay. I don't like him hating white people. Um, I, I don't even know if he does hate white people, but he was making a rhetorical point, which is right. a, a white man who never could have lorded it over me in the, in the, in the present, me, me being Dave Chappelle, lorded over Dave Chappelle in the present context all he has to do is pop on a wig and change his name and his pronouns, and now he's the victim. And Dave Chappelle has to kiss his toe. And it's like, hey, sorry, I'm not falling for that. Um, and I, I mean, long ago, I'm, God, I shouldn't get off on all this, but Ch- the Chappelle started, he started talking about this like four years ago, and he said, LGBTQ, and he's like, and he says, LGB, they're kind of looking at T and saying, do you belong in the car? Um, you know, are you, are we on the same ride here as the, as the rest of you? And I think that was his early recognition that that particular constituency was moving into a, a authoritarian mode. Um, and by the way, that's, that's what the, the Disney thing was about. I mean, they say, don't say gay, but really it was about what really triggered parents is wait, what you're going to talk about sexual reassignment surgery to my five-year-old. Uh, you know, I voted Democrat my whole life. No way. You know, I think that that's that was really the trigger for a lot of people. Yeah, I, so I, I think I think not only that, but then also um, everything with what was going on in, in, in schools and how they were trying to hide from parents what was being taught, what the curriculum was. Yes. And parents started going to school board meetings and telling and, and the school board saying you don't have a right to talk to to this to about our curriculum. And, you know, that, that's why Yunkin, right? I think that's what turned in Virginia to get a, to get a, a Republican governor in a, in a state that was, is, you know, 60% Democrat, I believe, if my numbers are correct. So I, I, I think you're right. I think everything that was happening in the schools, trans, critical race, and a number of other things that people felt uncomfortable with were, are, are pushing some of the people in the middle to kind of that conservative line of thinking. And I think, again, to your point earlier, when we were talking about Disney, I believe that's pushing some investors, whether they're conservative or let, let's even call it, say it's middle left. I think they're pushing away from Disney because of things like that. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that that crowd severely underestimated the deep emotional heart bond between parents and children. 
Agreed. That liberal parents, they were willing to vote a certain way and talk a certain way, but they were not willing to sacrifice their children on the altar of these ideologies. I couldn't agree more. I right. think you're absolutely so right. So they, they, yes, they'll give, maybe they'll even give money to Black Lives Matter, but if you're going to tell my five-year-old that because he's white, he will never understand um, and he's guilty, you know, I don't care how liberal a parent, I mean, you have to be completely left-wing loony if you're going to say, oh, that's fine, that, you can do that. You know, or that t- male, uh, you know, being male is toxic. Well, you know, these liberal suburban moms, they have little boys. And they Agreed. love their little boys more than they love the accolades of being called an ally. And I think they underestimated the reality of that. I think that's right. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on the Disney point, I, I was there for the annual Disney meeting, like, logged in. Um, and it was fascinating how much it was the act, the left-wing activists who showed up, not the conservatives. So what a case for engagement. Because originally, Bob Chapek wanted to be neutral on this. He, they started out neutral. They were pushed into attacking this bill by, you know, internal resource group um, um, and by politically active um, activists. So whether you own it or not, you don't, that's fine. I've got clients who do. If you do own it, show up. <laughs> if you do own it, vote. Don't gripe back. Because I, I was amazed afterwards, like that night on Tucker, Disney's horrible. And a million people are watching. And I'm like, if 10, if 10 of you million could have been there with us at that at that annual meeting asking questions, it would have there would have been a different answer. No, I I, I agree. And you know, a story about a, a story about our our fund and our, and our investing and a couple of holdings that were actually in our portfolio, um, and and this was January of 2021, right when the Georgia election laws came out, mm-hmm. and we looked at the Georgia election laws, and of course we read them before we came out against them, like. And, Wait, and what? We're actually for them. We didn't come out against them. We're, we're for them. Okay. But we read them before we came out for them. I see. And a lot of people came out against them because they were pushed to come out against them. And so <clears throat> both Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines were in our portfolio. And when they came out against the Georgia elections and tried to go to the Georgia state legislature and try to tell them to change that law or there were going to be repercussions, we booted them out of our portfolio. We said, look, we don't need those companies in our portfolio they are against um, voter ID laws, and they're against a number of other things. Funny thing that happened, I'm actually based in Colorado. Funny thing that happened is they moved the All-Star game from Atlanta, right, which is probably a 50% uh, black city, to lily-white Denver in order to protest Georgia. So essentially, and, and, and by the way, the Colorado voting laws versus the Georgia voting laws, there's not a lot of difference. But, they, you know, they cut their nose off despite their face over something that wasn't even that bad. And, in fact, I think the Georgia uh, voting laws are, are going to be laws that a lot of people look at to say these are actually fair and balanced and, and, and that are going to protect our elections but also allow people who want to vote to vote. Well, I attended the Coca-Cola meeting, and my question for them is you're against voter ID. How, what did I have to do in order to get into this meeting? Um, you made me jump through a lot of hoops. I had to look up a special number. It was very difficult. It took research. So for, for me to vote at this, at your annual meeting is you secure it. It's important. Not anyone can vote in a Coca-Cola shareholder meeting. You have to prove that you're a Coca-Cola shareholder, but we're upset because 
you know, uh, there, we, we there was a law passed so that not anyone could walk into a polling place. I mean, all you do is make sugar water, Coca-Cola. These elections determine who controls nuclear weapons. So maybe it should be, maybe they should have to that's, prove as much as we shareholders have to prove. That's right. I, I, I thought another interesting thing that just happened, and it happened in L.A. County, right? And they're trying to repeal, they were trying to repeal Gascon. And they had something like 720,000 signatures uh, they needed something like 525,000, and um, the the signatures weren't good enough, and and so they didn't get enough names on the petition to to get him on the ballot to recall. And I was like, okay, here's a bunch of people who don't want um, voter ID and they don't want signatures, but yet when signatures work for them, they're going to use these signatures um, in, in order to not get this repeal election happening. Right, they're going to so comb through the signatures to make sure they knock out. You can't have one invalid signature. Right for the for the recall. Um, when the fact is, the reality is, I remember talking about this in the 2000 recount. Every false vote counted is a true vote canceled. That's right. So um, allowing people to vote who aren't registered is voter suppression. It's That's just right. voter suppression by subtraction rather than blocking originally. So the I matters. add my vote, then you take it away. Don't tell me my, you know, I, I mean, I might as well have stayed home rather than go, gone down there to get the little sticker. Um, so, so look, you you were ahead of this. You, you Your fund is almost two years old. Uh, probably took about two years planning to get it up and running. So four years ago, you saw something coming when conservatives were frankly blissfully ignorant for the most part. Um, kind of MIA on this issue, just thinking voting is the only thing I need to be concerned about. Um, and uh, American corporations are reliable outlay, uh, uh, reliable allies for now and all eternity. What did you see coming that made you see, that made you start something that kind of fits what's needed now? So, so I think it was a number of things. I, I think one thing we've already talked about was ESG. And we saw the surge in ESG products that were mostly um, anti-fossil fuel, green energy, um, much more left-leaning. And, and, and we saw a flow of money into those funds. And, and and we looked to say, what do politically conservative people have to invest in that might match their values? And we really couldn't find anything. Um, there were certainly some um, good faith-based or biblical funds out there, uh, which we agreed with. But, you know, that they, they might have been a little bit more narrow than we were going to be. And so just for a pure, pure conservative, um, we weren't finding things. And then we started seeing things, you know, like when um, Google was hiding searches uh, about Hillary Clinton during the 16 election, and 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 they were, you know, you could you could you could put in Trump, and the first five articles were negative, right? So things like that. We saw companies starting to um, conceal things about the left and 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 block voices on the right. And we said, look, this is these are companies doing this, and they're going against conservative values. And then, of course, conservatives dislike the the corporate, the liberal media, right? And we were looking at Disney owning ABC and ESPN, Comcast owning NBC and MSNBC, AT and T owning CNN. The New York Times was in uh, the S and P five hundred. Then we said, conservatives who buy an S and P five hundred fund are 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 investing in companies that they disagree with and dislike. Right. We need to give them a product that allows them to invest their money, get similar returns to the S&P 500, mm. while not giving their hard-earned investment dollars to companies that they don't agree with. Mm. And that's what led us to the way we constructed and built this fund, which is a fund which 
um, does our best to meet or exceed uh, the performance of the S&P 500 while eliminating companies hostile to conservative bonds. So the poll star is returns, not politics. I'm, I'm sorry? The poll star, the Polaris. Absolutely. The, yeah. It has to be returns. You know, I've been involved. I've been in the ETF and mutual fund industry long enough to know um, that, that affinity funds that don't return um, lose affinity. And and if you're going to gain people and you want their affinity, you have to give returns that are in line with the broader indexes. And if you can do that and keep your affinity to those folks, you will raise dollars. And if you don't, those dollars will go elsewhere. They will look for the return. Wonderful. Tom Carter, it's been a delight speaking with you. Anything you want to uh, say to our listeners and viewers before we go? You know, Jerry, I think... Um, I think this conservative investing, uh, politically conservative investing, is is kind of new, but I think it's I, I think it's going to grow. I think there are new entrants into the marketplace, and and we ask as you look at those entrants and as you evaluate your investments that you take a look at us and and um, and we think a rising tide lifts lifts all boats, and so we're excited to be um, kind of one of the first to do this, and looking forward to talking to conservatives as as we move forward. We've been talking with Tom Carter, president of the American Conservative Values Fund, and you have been listening to Meeting of Minds podcast with Jerry Boyer. Thanks for joining us. 